Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Yudini. This is the Living Force Podcast. May the Force be with you. A Utini.com production. We need you to bring the Jedi back because Kylo Ren is strong with the dark side of the Force. Episode 31, interview with Rebecca Roanhorse. I'm a big deal in the Resistance. On this episode, the Utini team talks with author Rebecca Roanhorse about her novel, Star Wars Resistance Reborn. And now, here are your hosts. Look who it is. Dr. Corey Hilton and Eric Eilerson. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. We're going to jump right in with episode 31 of the Living Force Podcast. Hello, everyone. I am your host, as always, Eric Eilerson, and with me is one of the doctors, Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. Hello, hello. And we have finally gotten around to replacing Dr. Charles Hankel with our new co-host for the week, Rebecca Rowanhorse. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hello. Hi, everyone. All right. Well, if that name sounds familiar to you, Star Wars fans, then you have not been living under a rock this month. Uh, Rebecca is a Hugo Award winner, a Nebula Award winner, a Locust Award winner, a John W. Campbell Award winner, and a nominee of a bunch of other things. She has written a bunch of novels, including Trail of Lightning, Storm of Locusts, Race to the Sun, and the new Resistance Reborn, which we're going to talk a lot about, and a host of short stories, including Native in Space, Welcome to Your Authentic Indian Experience, Postcards from the Apocalypse, and Harvest. Whew! All right. So that's a, that's <laughs> a lot. You've been a you've been a busy professional, Rebecca. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are we are so happy to have you one on the show and two in the Star Wars universe because I mean, right off the bat, we can say this last month has been full of people kind of singing your praises for your first entry into Star Wars with the Resistance Reborn. Uh, so thank you for that, just straight up. <laughs> Um, no, well, thank you. It was my honor. Yeah, yeah. So we want to start with kind of a basic question for you. We start with a lot of authors. How did you first come to Star Wars, the movies, the universe, and then how did you first come to the expanded universe? Right. Well, I grew up with Star Wars, uh, like so many people. Um, so it's always been a part of my life. Uh, I have an older brother. Uh, who I shout out in my uh, dedication, actually, in the book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, together, we sort of collected all the action figures and, you know, even collected a little proof of purchases if you had to send in to get Boba Fett and that whole thing. (laughs) And I would often take his action figures and sort of act out adventures with them. I had, uh, we didn't have a Millennium Falcon, but I had, like, Lincoln Logs and Mm -hmm. Tinker Toys. And so I create, you know, these, space stations and you know whatever it it took to to make these you know sort of planets where they would go and like have these adventures right uh and so really writing resistance reborn felt a lot like just getting to do that you know as an adult right like getting to take all these characters and and you know creations and get Mm -hmm. to sort of act out my own adventures with them that's awesome. It's funny, you know, you saying that reminds me a lot of what uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau have been saying about The Mandalorian in all their interviews. It, it, it's all these people that grew up with it finally getting to take the action figures out of the box and put them on the screen or on the page, like you're saying. Absolutely. Awesome. One of our, uh, one of our patrons, uh, Patrick, uh, sent us a question, and he supports our show a lot, so we wanted to throw this in for him. How does it feel to know that you wrote the main book in the journey to the rise of Skywalker series. I mean, this has been the flagship for everything we're getting until December. 
Right. It is surreal. I mean, I'll just be honest. It is complete. Sometimes I still sit around and be like, I wrote a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, so yes. It's just awesome. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing like you couldn't even imagine being able to do when you were a kid or heck, even a couple of years ago. I don't think I could have imagined it. So, yeah, there's a lot of joy in that. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's well, awesome. That's awesome. It's it really seems like this book, you know, we we have sort of been around for like a lot of the expanding universe stuff. Like we are really we really promote positivity at Utini. Uh, like we've gotten a lot of really really great books, but like the, some of the criticism is very hard to uh, hard to avoid. However, Resistance Reborn has received some of the highest praise honestly out of any book in new canon. Like it's had a near flawless release as far as we can tell. Um, us being very involved in this community. So, I mean, like, not only did you sort of write the flagship series of the, you know, Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, like, it's, you, you've almost become sort of superstar status amongst the, <laughs> which has been really, really cool for us to see. Like, we love it when new authors come in that, like, have not been super heavy involved in, you know, the expanded universe, or even somebody that hasn't, that's done Star Wars, but hasn't done a novelization of some kind. Um, it's always awesome when we get somebody new because you just never know who it is. Like Claudia Gray yeah. has, has very quickly become sort of a superstar. So um, it's very positive from our, our community. So like we just are glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. And that makes me so happy because, yeah. you know, I really took the task seriously. I, I sure. know that a lot of people uh, are invested, you know, in, in Star Wars and in this universe and these characters. And I wanted to do a good job for them. I wanted to make sure that they enjoyed the novel and found a lot of joy in it. And so, so the fan reaction or like, you know, people who have uh, been writing nice things about it and, and really getting excited about it is just awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Something I always like to really ask of authors about um, because it doesn't really get talked about very much. I don't think uh, it, most books have a dedication of some kind um, and yours is no different. And your dedication, you thanked your brother, Tony, for letting you play with his Boba Fett action figure that you mentioned <laughs> a few minutes ago. Can you tell us more about, about that a little bit and why you chose to reference that in the dedication? Oh, you know, I don't know. I guess, Cause I think that because there was so much joy, you know, in star Wars and it's always just been sort of, you know, magic. It's just sort of pure. And it does remind me a lot, even though I think the themes and, and sort of the things that I wanted to focus on in the book are a lot heavier, you know, like war and grief and, and, you know, sort of penance. Um, there is still just, you know, sort of like a childlike joy to the universe. Uh, and so, yeah, and my brother, you know, we did that together as kids. So I just wanted, you know, to shout him out for that. And he's thrilled. He's really excited. So has it, yeah, That's awesome. Has he, has he read it? Has you get him to read it yet? He has it. I don't know if he's read it yet. He's a busy yeah. guy, but uh, I'm sure, sure I'll hear back. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, and whenever you can kind of and just share those creative moments with, with family or friends that have kind of been with you since uh, literally the start of it all, I bet that's really, really fun and awesome. Yeah, um, it is. It's yeah. He still, he can't believe it either. Right. Like, I bet not. Sister. Is that a Star Wars? No, I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah that's I, cool. Well, I, I'm going to go off script here for a second, Corey, and say, speaking of that, when you found out you, you got the gig, right? I'm, I'm sure there's rules as who you could tell and all that stuff because they do love their secrets at Lucasfilm. Yeah. Um, who, who was the first person that got the call? Mm, I think it might have been my brother. Uh, yeah, and I had to, like, swear him to secrecy, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's probably about it um 
I did reach out to like, even before I accepted the gig, I, I reached out to like Daniel Older uh, and then later uh, Delilah Dawson and just, you know, to sort of get there. Daniel's a friend. I've known him for a while. Uh, oh. And, you know, just sort of to get their feedback or their take, you know, on, on how to approach this and, and what to expect. And uh, so he knew, uh, but probably Daniel and my brother, that's about it for the probably that's, the first six months. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're, you're talking, you're naming, name dropping a lot of really big folks in our, our community that we, we have, we've had Delilah Dawson on the show. Uh, she's sort of a friend of the show. Um, you know, we, we got to get Dan, Daniel on there. Eric. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, when, that. <laughs> when that luminous news drops, you better believe we're going to try to get Daniel on that's, this show. That's right. Oh, yeah, he's that's great. right. That's right. Rebecca going off script even more. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you sort of how did you get here? I mean, you're a new author to Star Wars, but you've been around for you know a while. You got a lot of really successful works. How did you get to this point? Like, were you just you know buying your own business one day and you got a call? I mean, how did that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't been around that long actually. Uh, my first novel came out uh, last year. Uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, I had a short story the year before that, which picked up the Hugo and the Nebula, and I got a lot of uh, good uh, feedback, but. Um, yeah, so I had, but uh, when um, A Certain Point of View came out, uh, I was really excited. That's the anthology of uh, all the short stories by contemporary sure. sci-fi writers and stuff. Uh, their take on um, Star Wars, uh, like short stories in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and so I thought that was really cool. And I know there's a lot of native influence in Star Wars, everything from you know, Leia's hair to the Ewoks or, you know, inspired by the Miwok tribe of Northern California. Uh, Leia speaks Navajo when she goes to uh, Jabba the Hutt's lair. So all these sort of native influences are in there. And so I was like, we should let, you know, a native author write Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, I wasn't thinking of myself personally. I was just thinking anybody it would just be cool. I'd <laughs> you know, sort of give it, you know, dialogue. Sure. Um, and so I had this whole long thread on Twitter, like, you know, let a native writer write Star Wars. Here's all these cool influences. And here's like native visual artists who have, you know, put Star Wars into their like, you know, I don't know, ad ads on the res, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then some other um, awesome Star Wars authors uh, like E.K. Johnson picked it up and were like, yeah, let uh, a native write Star Wars. Although what they started to do was say like, let Rebecca write Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay, okay. Sure. I mean, yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, right. And then my editor uh, knows uh, from my uh, my original work uh, knows somebody uh, knows Jen Heddle over at Lucasfilm, and and he was like, hey Jen, you should let Rebecca write Star Wars. Uh, and so sure enough, when they were looking for authors, they reached out to me, out to my agent and we're like, Hey, does Rebecca want to write a star Wars? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. And your, so, your, your evil plan came to fruition. I didn't even meet. I was just kidding. So, oh. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other factors that go into that, but yeah, it was pretty cool. You never know what could happen. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's awesome that you mentioned, you know, again, getting more native people to write stories that have so many influences from them. And in recent years, it seems like there's been a lot more um, diversity in, in Star Wars authors and literature in general. Like you mentioned Daniel or earlier, some authors. In, in your acknowledgments, you specifically thank your indigenous nerds, which is your indigenous <laughs> nerds. Um, you said, I right. see you and I love you all. I'm sure they felt it. Um, so what, what do you think that this increasing variety of backgrounds and voices in the literature community of Star Wars says about the future of the whole franchise going forward? 
Oh, well, I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, I think that everyone has sort of a narrative voice and you bring your own experiences and, and your own sort of life uh, to a story anytime you write a story. And so the more sort of variety of people you have writing it, I think the more exciting it's going to be because they're going to bring different perspectives and different mm -hmm. experiences. And so I felt like I could really <laughs> bring, for better or worse, you know, sort of trauma <laughs> to this sure. to the Star Wars story, <laughs> uh, you know, sure. and, and resistance, yeah. you know, and, and what that's like. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's great. I think there's a whole new generation that's growing up with it. Like mm -hmm. uh, on the Navajo Nation, they've actually translated uh, Star Wars into Navajo. Wow, so you can watch wow. the movie and you can listen to it in Navajo. You can find some clips like on YouTube and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. So there's a huge, like everyone, I mean, your Star Wars crosses, you know, sort of age groups and ethnicities and all of that sort of stuff. So there are a ton of native fans of Star Wars. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just happy to be able to be part of that world. I love it. And, and, it, and it's, you know, it's interesting you say that with, uh, you know, people bringing their own experiences, their own voices. When when Delilah Dawson was on, uh, she talked, uh, honestly, a lot about trauma as well, which is such a big feature in her Black Spire. Um, <laughs> like, all our new novels seem to be having these these voices and these points of view that we didn't necessarily have for quite a few decades of, of good work, you know, absolutely. But it's it's fun that each book now is a little more individual going forward, and we love that. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned your first novel that came out, which is Trail of Lightning, um, which is a spectacular book. If you all haven't read that, go for it. Um, and in both Trail of Lightning and Resistance Reborn, you write protagonists that are simultaneously powerful yet pretty vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. Why do you think it's important to show this element of fragility in sci-fi fantasy where like a lot of characters can be pretty invincible if you don't necessarily write them that well? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think for me, what appeals to me in any story is the humanity of the character. Um, I think that's what really will draw me in and will keep me interested, keep me reading, keep me invested uh, in the story. And so, you know, I think all of us sort of have, you know, vulnerabilities. Like we can, you know, be very high functioning or be like tough, you know, on the outside, sort of like a Leia or something. And then mm -hmm. carrying all this sort of secret grief or, or, or you know, sort of trauma from our past or whatever that is. And it doesn't make you any less of a hero. It doesn't make you any less uh, of a person. And so I don't know. I guess those themes are really important to me. This idea that no matter what, what's happened to you in your past or like what you've been through, you can still rise. You can still do better uh, and you can still be a hero. Love that. Oh, there's my lovely Poodle Ray in the background here. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Ray, calm down. Hush. <laughs> She's freaked out, but she can it also be a hero, Corey. Come on. I know, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> she probably sees the mailman. That's what she does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Rebecca, we, we've gotten to uh, we've gotten to talk to a lot of really cool authors, sort of about the process of working with like Del Rey and also the story group, and um, it's really cool hearing some of that sort of behind the scenes information a little bit. Uh, your your book is very very unique to um, the expanded universe because you wrote like main character stuff, like a direct you know a direct sequel to. 
uh, The Last Jedi, and you know what what we're at Utini are calling like a must read book before seeing like The Rise of Skywalker. Um, can you tell us a little about how that came to be? Uh, how how did you end up writing this story as opposed to something completely? independent and and you know had nothing to do with the main characters like i'm very interested to see to, to hear sort of what what the process of getting to write like film characters has been like because we've really not seen that very much at all mm-hmm. in the expanded universe yeah so well when they you know asked if i wanted to do it they were like here's the characters we want you to focus on you know and here of course is the characters that we don't want you to focus on like i think most people notice that there's not a lot of Ray in this book, and that's on purpose. Uh, she is um, being saved for the movie, I think. Um, and so, you know, here's sort of the themes we want to see you discuss. And here's a couple of paragraphs about some ideas, you know, about, you know, what we want. Um, go for it. Sure. <laughs> and wow. so, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's surprisingly uh, open. Like, they really do give you a lot of creative freedom. Or, you know, they did for me, they said you know here's sort of what we want you to do but how you do it and who you all include uh beyond you know these sort of key characters we want to make sure we bring back is really up to you um yeah so that's sort of the process uh this was the book they needed right now so somebody was gonna write it (laughs) sure absolutely we we definitely after reading and i can say we needed it yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) i I need i need more of it if you can just like hook a hook a hook an iv line just directly up to my veins and just just give me give me more please of Um, of poe awesome right yeah that's that's kind of a good transition into like i'm very interested to hear if this is if this was your idea because we see we've seen poe sort of play second or third fiddle a lot in the film so far. Did you have the creative choice? Like, was it, was it your idea to make him sort of the, almost the protagonist of the, of the book? Uh, no, that was theirs. They said, okay. This is a Poe book. Okay. Uh, okay. We, we want you to focus on Poe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was definitely front and center in this book and it was excellent. Really getting to see that sort of, uh, you really captured his sort of movement into leadership incredibly incredibly well oh thank you yeah and that hair i mean come on oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i really blame that on justina ireland yes because i think i had like one hair one po hair moment and that i admitted is... it to her she's like you need to lean into the hair you need to just go for it <laughs> so i was like okay okay justina said i could so yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic yeah for, the, for those of our listeners that have uh, uh, read spark of the resistance which is justina's book uh, for Journey of the Rise of Skywalker, there's a lot of Poe hair love in that one as well. So, uh, so speaking of other writers' projects, you reference an extensive amount of canon material in this book. Like, just to name a couple, Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy, Claudia Gray's Bloodline, Lost Stars, the Poe Dameron comic was huge, a lot of those characters, and a ton more. Um, and a lot of our patrons and fans were, were very curious about the research aspect of this, right? So um, so who are your, some of your favorite additions from other specifically like novel or comic material to add or write and which of the novels or comics was like your favorite to read or to dive in and research yeah so yes i did a ton of research because like i said i wanted to do it right you know i wanted to get it right uh and so i watched all the the battlefront uh narrative uh story story parts and Oh, I read, oh gosh, I don't know. I, obviously, I read the Aftermath Trilogy and Bloodline, which is one of my favorites. So and, good. And, and 
bringing that back, I got to do that. That was my choice. Uh, and I got nice. the A-OK. I know. I was very excited because I didn't want to see that particular character go away either. I was like, but, no, but I, I need to know. <laughs> I, I, I was sorry to interrupt you. I was lucky enough to get an early copy of this book but with the embargo on it. And when I read the page where you brought that character back and I had no one to talk to about it, yes. it was yeah. wild. Exactly. Yeah. I think when I asked my editor, he was like, oh my God. Yeah. So when we reached out to Claudia, she was okay with it. And That's so fantastic. thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I read all the comic books. Um, just everything, you know, you can think of, I tried to absorb. And I read a lot of the EU that didn't get in uh, to my book, obviously. Like, I think my favorite is probably uh, Battlefront Twilight Company. Oh, great um, one. Nice. That book. Yeah, I just think it's so good. Because I love this sort of, I know we see all sort of the heroes at the top, but what about the little people? What about the grunts, you know? Sure. Sort of people who are fighting the war day to day. And what does that look like? Um, and so I think you could probably see the influence of that book. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, especially with, yeah. You, know, with, with uh, you mentioned, you know, the trauma of the characters and figuring out where they land. I mean, it definitely speaks to Delilah or uh, no, sorry, Christy, Christy Golden, right? Um, her portrayal of um, Aiden in that book. Mm. Without the industry, not by like companies. You're talking about. Oh, sorry, talking talking about talking about yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Inferno Squad. Yes. Yeah, yes. So many different ones. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> Which is we're, great. We're, like, yeah. too, like what a wealth of characters. Right. It's so cool. We're we're finally reaching a reaching a point where the sheer volume of stuff in the expanded universe is able to be referenced as heavily now. Like it's so beautiful to see like different authors will tie in different stuff. I mean EK Johnson did a fantastic job with the the Padme book that came out this year. Like, you know, that like her references, I mean, she clearly the authors now have all so such clearly done their research. Like, and it's so cool to see because that was what was really neat about Legends. Like the old stuff is like they were all connected. It's all connected, you know. <laughs> so it was really cool. Excellent, excellent connections to the existing canon stuff in this book. It was fantastic. I'm very interested to hear, like, sort of what sort of challenges you face in writing almost a prequel to an upcoming film? Like, how did you prepare for that? Like, were there any, any sort of plot points that you had to maybe get like an inside look to, so you didn't accidentally mess anything up? I mean, how does that, how did that work? Uh, so, well, I don't really know anything about the film, so I'll just put that out there. Okay. Uh, but what I did have to do is, you know, obviously everything has to be approved. Uh, so once they sort of gave me the okay to come up with a story, uh, I wrote probably like a 15-page outline. Uh, and everyone at Lucasfilm had to approve it, and everyone at Del Rey. Uh, and uh, I believe that J.J. Abrams himself had to approve it. Interesting. <laughs> no big deal, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> I know, right? When you get like a note from J.J. Abrams, you're like, oh. And his note was like, don't do that. <laughs> right? So <laughs> I okay. saw that today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So there was definitely like sometimes I would get some pushback from Lucasfilm folks like, hey, we can't do this or, oh, you need to lean into this, you know, or something like that uh, to sort of support what's coming next. Uh, but as far as details are concerned, no. It was very much a need to know sort of thing. And sure. They, they decided I did not need to know. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, well, you'll find out with the rest of us, I'm sure, uh, quite a few times. Exactly. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. So we would be remiss to ask, uh, what are your what are your plans for watching the Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, you, you got tickets. You got a group. Like, 
Oh, I already have tickets uh, for Thursday night, actually. Nice. Uh, and I'm taking my husband and my daughter, only under duress, because I usually like to, like, go by myself so I can mm-hmm. really focus. Sure. Like, I don't like people to distract me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would forgive me if I went by myself. Uh, so we're going to be there, you know, as soon as we can at the very first showing on, on Thursday night, uh, front and center, front row. I'm excited to be there. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I, I, and I totally get what you mean by that, too. There's, you know, I love sharing Star Wars with my friends, and I love sharing Star Wars with my partner and my family. But sometimes you're like, I kind of just need to go to church and be by myself. <laughs> And just, and have no sense. Like, think of like a second viewing or something, right? Because my husband is not. He's more now because I went through this process, you know, mm-hmm. and I made him watch things with me. But right. he's not, you know, the hugest fan, or he doesn't really you know, know what's going on. So he asks questions, and I'm like, "There is no talking. There is no talking, dude." <laughs> That's talking. right. <laughs> to, to, talking is allotted for the number three showing, but not before that. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, sorry. Are you Harrison Ford? Are you speaking right now? I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, now, speaking of those those voices themselves, your your writing in this book is widely hailed, as we said earlier, as some of the most authentic Star Wars as far as character voices goes. Like the established characters, a lot of times people like them, but but they don't sound quite perfect the way the actor's voice would. But Resistance Reborn was freaking spot on. And do you find that it's more difficult um, writing characters that you didn't personally create versus like some of your original work? Hmm. No, I, I, you know, I think what I do best, if I could say that is character. And so, um, really leaning in, you know, I spent a lot of time with these characters in my head, you know, and I did watch the movies multiple times, uh, Last Jedi and Force Awakens. Uh, and of course I've, you know, known Leia, you know, my entire life, I think, uh, but you know, there's a lot of Carrie Fisher in there too, I think. Um, and so no, I just felt like I knew who they were. Like I, uh, once you sort of understand them as people, like and these are you know sort of people that you can you can get inside their their heads and and you know I don't know just everything about them. It sounds kind of weird, I guess. But as an author, I think that's what you need to do. And so their voices just kind of flowed. Like it just kind of felt like this is what Poe would say if if Oscar right. Isaac was saying this is how he'd say it. You know so. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I got that right. Like, uh, that meant a lot to me, but it felt very natural. They, they just came and spent some time with me, I guess, you know? Yeah, well, and I think that's what shows is is how natural it is, you know? And I think that there can be times where, you know, as, as we're all playing with our figures in the backyard or, or, or <laughs> telling our own stories, we try to think of what they would say, and if you force it, then it goes a little hard. But I guess it is just sitting back and thinking, well, Poe's sitting there with his perfectly coiffed hair looking great. Like, what's he thinking? What's he saying? So, right, love right. that. Now, on the other hand, though, you did create a bunch of new characters for this book. I mean, which is amazing to think when you add in all the previous characters you fit into this book. You also added a bunch of new ones from Winsher Brat to Tezanaz to Yama. Um, out of all of them... Do you have a favorite character that that's just that's a, just a Rebecca creation? And if you do, what do you feel that character added to this story specifically? Yeah, uh, gosh, well, you know, I really like uh, Tiza Nas. Like, uh, she's probably yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, she's um, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I just you know, yeah, go ahead. 
if you ever get the chance to bring back any of the characters that you yourself created, please do some type of story about that character. I know. I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, gosh, I love this idea of uh, bringing back ex-Imperials, mm-hmm. you know, because here we have the resistance and they don't only need, you know, supplies and ships and stuff. They need leadership and not just people like pilots, but like, you know, people who have led before, who know what they're doing, who, you know, sort of have the battle experience and the tactical experience and all these things to, to lead the resistance because everybody just died, right. uh, basically, you know, in the last movie. And so this idea of looking for ex-imperials that might fit the bill and might be sympathetic, you know, for whatever reasons um, and, and not, you know, want to be part of the First Order or, you know, sort of turned against that, uh, was enticing, you know, and plus they're going to bring this tension, uh, you know, to the, the group because not everyone's going to want them there. Like that's a, that's a tough thing to ask yeah. uh, for me to become friends with my enemy, you know, uh, but you know, I guess the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing. Right. Or however that goes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought it would, I like her character because of that, but I didn't want her to be sort of, um, soft you know she's still she still has a lot of that uh sort of disdain a lot of you know that sort of characterizes the empire back in the day uh but she also realizes that you know she's wrong Mm -hmm. Uh, she did some bad things uh and so she's here to try to make amends as she can uh you know but she's still her (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah and on and on that note, it reminds me of um, Erica Quell from Alexander Freed's Alphabet Squadron earlier this year, um, mm. kind of dealing with her own past sins. So I want to ask: in, in this book, there's is kind of that element of accepting people despite the bad decisions they made, and what is the limit of forgiveness? And mm-hmm. especially in you know in the world we live in now, there's there's a lot of people kind of reckoning with their past or, or things they've done in, that are wrong. What do you think that this book maybe or star wars as a whole has to say about kind of how much can you forgive and and how can you work with people that have wronged you in the past yeah uh you know i don't know i mean i know a lot of people are really interested in vendemption and all of that and i have no insight i have no idea what's going to happen with that i'm just as curious and interested as everyone else Mm -hmm. uh but you know for me it was in this story it's poe you know that needs to uh i guess not only prove to himself, I guess, sort of find his way back uh, because of his actions in The Last uh, Jedi. It's not an easy thing to forgive, and I didn't want it to be easy. Uh, I wanted it to be very difficult, and he has his own crisis of conscience, uh, plus he has to prove uh, that he is a leader. You know, he was so cocky, kind of character in The Last Jedi, and I hope he's been humbled, and he needs to find his way back. Love that. Yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting angle to kind of go at, too, that like we were all totally on board with is that it, it didn't really it, it never had occurred to me watching the last jedi and like in the aftermath of that like poe was sort of you know there's that scene in last jedi where leia sort of steps back and is like what are y'all looking at me for and like they're like follow she's like follow poe right and it just yeah. poe it, it just kind of occurred to me that poe is just he's the leader now and that's how people look yes. at him it never really occurred to me that he might like truly struggle with the fact that he almost screwed everything up like, yes. like uh, I love that he called it a mutiny because that is in fact what it was yeah. in your book. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, right? It doesn't get much worse than that either on a ship, you know? <laughs> right. And, right. And under the circumstances they were under and, you know, just, yeah. Right. I the leaders, the really leaders are, 
absolutely. The leaders are failable in Star Wars, like they always are, and it's it's fantastic to sort of see that. Yeah, and I think you know, I will admit that the Last Jedi was not my favorite movie out of the gate. Sure. Um, uh, and but I think since I've watched it so many times, and I've really gotten to understand sort of what it's trying to do to interrogate our heroes, right. uh, and to really you know show their fallibility, and they gave you know Poe this great uh, sort of arc, I think, in that movie, uh, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, you don't like get a lot of that in. Uh, in science fiction movies always because i think we were talking earlier about this sort of heroes and you know trying to understand what makes a hero and i love this idea that a hero isn't perfect you know a hero is not always a superhero you know or you know someone who's been like you know in a wears a cape and you know is in a mask or you know something like that that they're very fallible and they make mistakes but what keeps what makes them heroes is their ability to overcome that well I mean, that's pretty perfect. So on that, we are going to take a really quick break. Um, and then when we come back, we are still going to be chatting with Rebecca Rowanhorse, and we're going to look a little bit towards the future. Be back in a second. Hey, podcast editor Matt Davenport here, and I want to tell you about the time I fought Darth Vader. It was the spring of 1978, and Star Wars was everywhere. The movie had been out for about five months, and I had already watched it at least 20 times. The JCPenney store in our local mall had advertised that Darth Vader would be at the store on a Saturday afternoon. I begged my mom to take me, so we climbed into the family mobile and drove to the mall. We walked to Center Court, and there he was, the Dark Lord of the Sith. Now, back in 1978, I was knee-high to a stormtrooper, so to me, Vader seemed as tall as he was on the big screen. There he stood, red lightsaber in hand, the same lightsaber that had struck down Obi-Wan Kenobi. While Vader was occupied with the children who were milling around him, I saw my opening. I took out my silver telescoping antenna that I'd taken off my Star Trek walkie-talkie and shouted, For Obi-Wan! As I approached the menacing Dark Lord, he turned and put his blade before him, bringing metal to plastic created a dull thud, but in my mind, it was the sound of electricity popping every time our sabers made contact. I hit once, twice. It was all Vader could do to repel my strikes. After the third or fourth parry, I knew I had Vader on the ropes. One more strike, and I knew the spirit of Obi-Wan could rest knowing that the man who struck him down was no longer a threat to the galaxy. I raised my saber over my head, ready to strike. That's when Vader's handler stepped in and told the children and parents that Darth Vader was needed in children's wear to sign autographs. And that was the day I fought Darth Vader. And now back to the Living Force podcast with Corey, Eric, and Rebecca. And we are back! Yes, Corey is still here. Yes, I am still here. And yes, Rebecca is still here. Uh, we have a couple more uh, questions we want to get to. Uh, Corey, start us off. Yes. Yeah. So earlier you, uh, we talked about sort of your award-winning short stories in the novel that, uh, you wrote last year. So you're going to be diving into that medium again with a Clone Wars anthology book. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that project for listeners that don't know much about that? I don't think we know much about that in general, just that it's been announced. So, you know, don't reveal. Yeah. So I probably can't say much, but I can tell you that it is a middle grade. So it's made for kids, age 12 years old. Uh, and it's really an anthology to introduce them to the Clone Wars era because, you know, that's something that they probably don't know much about. Uh, and so I get to write a short story. I think every author is uh, focusing on a particular character from the era. And I get to write a Darth Maul 
short story. Awesome. That's fantastic. No, I, I saw some, that's, oh man, that's, that's fantastic. I saw some stats on, uh, on Disney plus this week. I don't know if it was like for international or, or what it was, but something about the Clone Wars TV show is very, very high in the list of like stuff that's been watched on Disney plus, like in the first Ooh. week. So that'll be very, very cool. I, I get a lot of questions. I think I get more questions about, uh, sort of Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars, like for my coworkers, people in my life that know I'm a big Star Wars fan, like mm-hmm. they get more questions about those than really anything else. <laughs> they never ask what books should they read. They're always like, "Tell me about the Clone Wars." <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome. That. Did you um, did you have like previous history with that type of like style of book that made you sort of that that drew you to that project? Oh, for the anthology? Yeah. Uh-huh. For the kids' anthology? Uh, no, well, yeah, I've, I've actually, well, how do I say that? I have written a number of short stories uh, for a number of anthologies. This year alone, I had two short stories in anthologies, completely unrelated to Star Wars. Um, both of them sort of contemporary retellings of uh, traditional uh, Native stories, one sort of a cyberpunk version and one's uh, sort of a serial killer version (laughs) so yeah so yeah and then i have a couple of uh other ones coming out next year so i do enjoy the short story uh format it's a very different endeavor than writing a novel um but it's a lot of fun and for something you know like Darth Maul, i get to explore that character a little bit uh in a way that's you know appropriate for eight to twelve year olds but still i i'm gonna have a lot of fun with it absolutely that's awesome yeah. We got a lot of really great Clone Wars era like stuff in, in, in the expanded universe this year. I mean, there was like a huge, mm. huge push to dive back into that sort of, you know, quote unquote new era for, you know, Disney since that's where they've, we've, we've been such in this new era for all this time. So getting, getting to go back to the Clone Wars was really, really awesome. Do you have, is there another era that you would particularly like to write in maybe? Mm. No, you know, not the, not off the top of my head. Uh, gosh, we'll see. Uh, I'm pretty excited about, you know, this one, even though it's a very small story, uh, cause it's very rich. There's a lot going on. Uh, but no, mm, I don't know. We'll maybe some see. more, maybe some more Clone Wars. There yeah. we go. Yeah. 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 That'd be cool. Let me do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if, if, I mean, if we have anything to say about it, uh, we'll get <laughs> quite a few more projects from you in the, in the coming years. We definitely hope, um, of all different eras. Now, uh, as we're getting kind of near the near the twilight hour of this one, with uh, with the publication of Resistance Reborn, you're now officially part of the Star Wars saga itself, like the Skywalker saga. You you put your your mark on it, and every content creator who adds to that story accomplishes something in his or her own right. And ultimately, you know, you don't just build the legacy of Star Wars with your books, but you also kind of start to create one for yourself. So hmm. we always like to kind of end on the idea of legacy. So in this initial entry slash all the future entries you may put into Star Wars, what is the legacy you would hope to leave as a Star Wars writer? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Well, one thing I did, I can say this is, you know, we talked a little bit about the native influence in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, my character, Pacer Goyo, uh, and his sister, uh, Agoyo is uh, a Tewa word um, for star. And uh, oh. my mother is uh, from Okewenge Pueblo, and 
our traditional language is Tewa. Mm -hmm. And so I did put a little uh, native back in uh, Star Force. Clearly, you know, there's no there's no natives in you know the galaxy. You know, that's it's not a one to one comparison, but I, I did sneak a little Goyo in there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Literally putting the history of your own family and people into this giant universe. That, that that's forever. It's in print. That's that's it. Yes. Exactly, right? And you know, and I know other authors have done it. Like I've read stuff like, Oh, this was my wife's name, I just spelled it backwards, or this is my child, nice. or you right. know, things like that. So I was like well, I might do a little of that myself. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice, I, excellent I, work. I, Delilah Dawson said a lot about that on Twitter, I think. She went through a thread of, like, friends and coworkers and, and things that she's, like, sneaks into all of her books. Yeah. yeah she, she, she told us that she had let her kids name some goofy creatures that were in, <laughs> uh, in Black Spire, I think. And that was really fun to hear her talk about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, God. Yeah, and there's a lot of other Tewa things too, but I won't, you know, just just little things that I use to influence names. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, and that's fantastic, and and I hope that, you know, as 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 time goes on, more people can feel that kind of same freedom and excitement to put more of themselves into these books because, uh, as as the proof shows, it makes them better, it makes the voices more authentic and fun, and we we seriously can't wait to read any more. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. All right. Now, before we uh, let you get out of here, we want to give you a chance. Uh, where can all of our listeners find you online? So as websites, socials, upcoming projects you're really excited about. Um, the floor is yours. Hi. Okay. Well, you can find me at RebeccaRoanHorse.com. Uh, that's easy enough. And I'm on Twitter uh, at RoanHorseBex, B-E-X. Uh, where I spend way too much time. I have a couple of new projects that are coming in January. I have a middle grade book, uh, so that's eight to 12 year olds again, uh, called Race to the Sun, uh, which is about a Navajo girl who has to follow in the footsteps of the hero twins, which are traditional Navajo uh, characters, uh, to sort of save her family. So that's sort of a fun, fast-paced uh, adventure for for everyone sort of thing. Uh, and then in the fall of next year, I have uh, an epic fantasy coming out. And I'm really excited about that one. That's going to be uh, sort of Indigenous America's inspired epic fantasy, a little bit Game of Thronesy, So, you know, nice. politics and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but with my own spin on it. Spectacular. Well, keep an eye out for those, all of our friends, especially if you got some little ones for that first one pick that up and then next year that anthology book is going to come i swear faster than we know because yeah. these in the content wars we have now the months are screaming by so we yes. absolutely can't they, wait they really are well rebecca thank you so much for coming on the show it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you we all really really loved your book i think star wars fans in general have really had nothing but positive things to say about it like I know I, we keep, I know I keep harping on this, but it's so great to get new authors that really just knock it out of the park. And I th we think you really did. And it's oh, been an absolute you. pleasure to chat with you about the book. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And thanks for all the great questions. Oh, my God. Of course. Um, and on that, my friends, my listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you are new to the show, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week. To hear mostly just us at UTini, but sometimes authors like Rebecca Rowanhorst talk about the Star Wars EU. Go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us, and head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. 
If you've already finished the Spectacular Resistance Reborn, go check out Force Collector, which just released this last Tuesday, as well as a host of comics and reference books you can find over at Utini on our release schedule. If you're looking to buy these books and want to help support us on the show, look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link, and we'll get a few cents to help keep our lights on. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon.com slash Utini or on TeePublic where we got a few shirts. Special thank you to Adam Dyson in our Alliance High Command, Patrick Ortiz in our Jedi Head Council. You guys are fantastic. And if you want your thoughts on this show, you can email us, you can tweet at us, you can join our Discord. It is all there. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. And Rebecca is at RowanHorseBex. Special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you finally to Corey and Rebecca for podcasting with me today. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.